Hey, after a long, well, sort of one year hiatus, we did do a quote unquote farm report podcast the week before minor league baseball opened, but this is the first official farm report podcast from Indians baseball insider since 2019. I'm Justin Ladham, drummed by Willie Hood. Willie, what a first week. I am so eager to jump into this with you. I, I feel like a kid on Christmas. I feel like I had ADHD. I couldn't pay, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't pay attention to it all. Justin, I think you and I both had multiple screens going at once. I couldn't keep up with all that was going on and trying to watch the tribe game, tribe games too, um, this past week. So, um, some personal stuff going on, working on my house and my head's kind of spinning with minor league baseball back, you know, uh, just excited to see the players back out on the field, Justin. I know. And I, I feel like, yeah, I was watching the Indians games and I, I think I was going back and forth between either Akron or Lake County because there were so many debuts and so many guys that were pitching early on. Uh, I feel like it was just so anticipated for minor league baseball to come back for those who like it. And with how anticipated it was for Cleveland's farm system, because there's so many guys who are finally going to get out of Arizona and they were going to get to low A or high A or something. And you had a couple of new guys in the system. And I feel like it was just such an anticipation to see those guys finally be on screen and on the field and not some alt site camp, not spring training. Like it was actually tangible and, I feel like they really delivered. I feel like what we've been waiting for for the past, I don't know how many months, since September 2019, I feel like the system really delivered on all that anticipation, didn't they? Yeah, I think my only disappointment was the news that broke beforehand on a couple of injuries. You know, and I tried to be determined to not let that bring down my excitement for the rest of the talent. Seeing guys like Gabriel Arias back and with the tribe for the first time or with the organization for the first time. And then Tyler Freeman back out, of course, guys like uh, Tanner Burns, Logan Allen and Daniel Espino making their season debuts, you know, really organizational debuts for the first two. Um, Just a lot of exciting talent to watch right now. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see what the season holds. And, you know, I love the draft and I know there's more talent coming, but I want to enjoy what we do have right now too. Yeah, and you got to, well, I guess because April was lopped off, you didn't have an extra month, but the the draft is pushed back a month, so you have April, May, or I'm sorry, May and June to kind of enjoy minor leagues before we start adding to the pool. But, Willie, where do you want to start? I mean, Akron and Lynchburg are both undefeated. They're the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, Lake County's first turn through rotation was pretty exceptional. Uh, A lot of interesting things happened to Columbus. Where do you want to start? I'll just throw this out here to kind of back up what you're saying there. Um, Cleveland has two organizations without any losses, and two of the five organizations in all of minor league baseball come from Cleveland. So I think that is a testament to the talent that is in the system, but also the talent that is producing on the field. Um, Geez, Lake County is really interesting. Logan Allen, Tanner Burns, Mason Hickman, all of them making their debuts from last year's draft. Uh, I know Hunter Gaddis struggled in his first start, but that's an exciting team with Brian Rocchio there too and Aaron Bracho, uh, George Valera. That is just a lot of talent, and I can't wait to get up to Lake County to see them. Yeah, offensively, not off to a great start. Uh, Will Brennan's got a couple of hits. He looks pretty good. No surprise. I mean, a guy with good contact skills getting off to a good start is more likely than uh, a 19-year-old or 20-year-old like George Valera, who's kind of struggled, but he had a triple. So that was fun to see. Um, I don't know, that first night, Logan Allen, or I'm sorry, it was Hunter Gaddis. Hunter Gaddis did have kind of a, a rough night uh, out of the gate. He was good in Lynchburg, or I'm sorry, not Lynchburg, uh, Mahoning Valley in 2019. And he wound up going just three innings, didn't strike out a batter with two walks. That was tough to see. Um, not worried about that. I know some people were saying, you know, that was a dud and, you know, are you worried? It's not good. I would just say, you know, Gaddis was not one of the guys on the alternate site roster last year. I would probably just chalk that up to being the first night being cold and, uh, just coming back. I'm still excited for Hunter Gaddis. I think he's scheduled to pitch 
Tuesday. We're recording this Monday the 10th, and I'm going to the captain's game uh, Tuesday the 11th, and he's scheduled to pitch. So I'm still excited to see him. Yeah, that whole roster is just packed with talent. It's an exciting team. Uh, you and I kind of discussed who had the best debut. Um, I said maybe Logan Allen, just based off of an inning of his work, and then seeing Tanner Burns today, I went back and watched that start this afternoon a little bit, and he looked really good too. So uh, it, it's up in the air for me. Yeah, I threw out a poll. I'm trying to think what day I threw up a poll on Twitter. I got to go back through. I, I I tweet way too much. If you follow me at JL underscore baseball, uh, I'm so sorry. I, since the minor leagues have come back, I think I've tweeted like 200 times with video and thoughts and articles. Right. It's yeah, that's just one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's just in one day. Um, I'm so sorry. If that's not your thing, then you, you really want to unfollow me, but gosh, what day did I tweet that, that poll? Cause I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the, the overwhelming response was Logan Allen's, uh, debut was the winner and he had five strikeouts or I'm sorry. Yeah. Eight strikeouts in five innings. That was a, a incredible start. He was perfect through four and a third innings, gave a, a hit then, or he walked better. Then he gave up a hit. Um, yeah. Let's see the, the 62 votes on that poll. Uh, 64% voted for Logan Allen. 21% voted for Josh Wolf and, tw- and 14% voted for, uh, Tanner Burns, but yeah, Logan Allen. I mean, he was throwing, according to one report, he was throwing ninety to ninety four, which I think you said is a tad bit up from where he was at FIU. And the slider and the curveball look good. He got a lot of called strikeouts just because he's always in the zone, and, and I think he pitches backwards. I think he got a couple of called strikeouts on fastball because I think he was pitching backwards. But man, he was in control of his entire arsenal, which I'm not shocked by. Not at all. Um, he came as advertised, and so did Tanner Burns. And Burns allowed three hits in his start, if I remember correctly, and two of those were infield singles. The other was a, a pretty well-driven ball to right field just over uh, Aaron Bracho's glove to right field. Um, but really, it was one hard hit and then two others that probably would have been outs at a higher level. Yeah, and Aaron Bracho was not exactly the world's tallest first baseman uh, or second baseman. He played some. He played some first base this week, which we're going to talk about later. But I would say, you know, like you, you said on Allen, a the velocity is, is slightly up. He was what eighty nine to ninety two, ninety three in, in college, and uh, ninety to ninety two mostly. And he would touch ninety four on occasion. He also played first base when he wasn't pitching. I think there's a little bit room for development there with his sole focus on pitching on his off days. Um, I'm not saying he's going to throw harder, but I think he will throw more firmly as he develops. And obviously the control is there. So um, as I said, Burns and Allen were as advertised. They really were. Watching Burns was fun. You could see the fastball was – I thought the fastball looked a little bit straight. I didn't think it had a lot of – uh, movement. Maybe it has a little bit of ride. Maybe it has that some of that vertical motion we talked about where it looks like it stays up longer. I didn't see a whole lot of arm side movement. I didn't see any glove side movement. So maybe it appears a little bit straight, but we heard he was touching 96 and the slider looked good. He got a couple of uh, what what uh, Pitching Ninja would call swords. He got a couple of really ugly <laughs> swings at the sliders. Big shout out to the one guy on that one too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I made pitching ninjas Twitter. I'm just going to retire. I'm, I'm my my career is peaked already. I'm done. Time to hang him up. <laughs> Can't get any better. Yeah, it's time to hang him up. Go out on a high note. No, he looked great. I mean, but you you noticed something too, real quick. You already saw a change in mechanics for Tanner Burns, which one started in is incredible. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you agreed with that or or not with the video that we posted, but it looks like he's his arms a little bit tighter. He's a little bit tighter on the inverted L, I'll call it. I think he was more lengthy in, in the reach as he was um, pulling the, his arm back into the load position. It was more of an extended or an inverted I, and I think it looks more of an inverted L now. And he looks uh, tighter to his chest through his delivery as he's bringing the arm up and through. Uh, I compared it a little bit to Plesak, where Plesak seems like he's tight to the chest and doesn't seem like as 
as a, a high of a release point as he was in college. That seems to be a growing trend. Lucas Giolito had a lot of success with that, and you saw Plesak looks like that, and even Aaron Savali's adopted it, and it looks like, I don't want to say a Daniel Espino is the same thing, but his arm action is considerably shorter than it was. That's That seems to be a growing trend. It's supposed to improve command, and at least for Aaron Savali, it's helped him with the spin on his fastball. He's getting more right on the fastball up in the zone. So I wonder if that's a good thing for Burns, who – who maybe doesn't have a lot of um, natural cut or sink on the fastball. That maybe that shorter arm action gives it some more ride. A lot of his fastballs were up in the zone. So he pitched up in the zone and he pitched away with the slider and then in on the slider too. Um, I like that he pitched to both sides of the plate with his slider. That's obviously a weapon for him. I didn't see a whole lot of changeups, but there were some in there. Um, but definitely he looked good. He, well, I, I saw him more of his start than anyone's over the last few days, just because of the things going on in my own house, uh, the renovations. <laughs> yeah, he was, I mean, I'm not surprised. He, he looked like a college advanced arm. He looked like a, a, a big program arm from the SEC. It's exactly what he looked like. And I thought, I didn't really see much of Mason Hickman start, but um, he had six strikeouts in three innings. He had a little, little bit of uh, inconsistencies early on, but he, or I'm sorry, the second or third inning, but, um, he was pretty good overall, too, and I, I want people to, whoever's listening to this, I want them to take note that uh, Mason Hickman, I think, tops out at, like, what, 90-91. He wasn't a big name in college, but like you and I have talked about, he was Vanderbilt's Friday night starter um, ahead of Jack Lyther and ahead of Kumar, uh, Kumar Rocker. That says a lot, and I still think that that high arm angle he has – lends itself to good backspin on the fastball. And you combine that with a curveball, kind of like Karen Shack and his command. And I think you have a real sleeper right there. And I'm eager to see what his results look like at Lake County. Yeah, I'm excited about all three arms. I didn't get to see Hickman at all, but I did see his numbers. I can't really comment on numbers. I'd like to see video with the numbers because I don't know if he was facing younger competition or, or what, or the quality of the players on the other team for that matter. Um, but I think he is a guy that could really develop with this system. Uh, I think they will find a few ticks on the fastball for him. And on occasion, he would get it up to 91, 92 in college. Uh, but a guy that's six foot six, 230, you always tend to think that there's more to that frame and more velocity with that frame um, that they can unlock. And if there's a team that can do it, I think it's the tribe. I would have to agree. Hard not to think that they can do that. And this is why it's so exciting because there's so many arms in the system that they can do it for, and um, they have the right talent in the system. Let's move on to Lynchburg. There wasn't really much offensively to talk about in Lake County. I kind of mentioned that already, but let's move on to Lynchburg. And speaking of debuts, um, that was another team that had, obviously, it has Daniel Espino, it has Lenny Torres, it has Josh Wolf. Um, I thought the best debut out of all of them, to be honest with you, Willie, was Xavion Curry. He was good. Um, college arm that they drafted in the seventh round, I think, in 2019. Again, as advertised, I think he's a little bit more over the top than he was when he was in college. Uh, he sat low 90s, touched 94 mm-hmm. in college. I don't know if he's where he's at right now. I didn't see any velocity um, on the broadcast for the Hillcats. But he definitely looked good and was impressive. Um, it's nice to see all of these young arms getting innings out in um, Lynchburg. You know, you know my favorite one, but there's a couple of them there that I think could really blossom. And Curry may be one of the guys that ends up as a back-of-the-rotation type of arm. Um, I won't limit him right now. <laughs> but I'm very excited to see <laughs> Daniel Espino and, and Josh Wolf and uh, – Let's just say I'm half tempted to make the drive to Lynchburg. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I, I mean, if, if things line up right this year, I think I'm going to take a trip down there too. But I'm I'm in the middle of some house stuff myself, so we'll see if I ever have time to get to that. I'm hoping I do. But thankfully, Lynchburg has MILB TV this year, so we can watch those games. That's really exciting, and they've done a good job so far for the most part getting that video up online. It's a, it's a tough venture to have. So I, I said Curry had the best debut on that team. Do you think? Do you disagree, or, or do you agree that Curry was probably the best among the starters? 
I only saw three of them. I saw Espino, I saw Curry, and I saw uh, Josh Wolf. I'm going to say Josh Wolf will probably look the best to me. Um, he may have been the one I anticipated the most just because I hadn't really watched him before. Uh, and as much as I like Daniel Espino and as excited as I am for him, Josh Wolf is one that I think could really sneak up on people. Um, I know that some have had him ranked right around the 10 position and others like, I think, I think we had him around 20 or so, uh, in the off season. Um, but he's one, I think will make some noise. I really like him. I know he's a smaller frame kid, but I, I really like what I saw from him. And, uh, I like that he got seven punch outs too. So that doesn't hurt. Yeah. Seven punch outs in four innings an earned run. He was pretty fantastic. I liked the fastball. Like you said, there's there's still a lot of room for growth. He's 20 years old, and he's six three, and he's like a buck seventy five. So he's got some room to add to his frame. But you know, he did a good job of of driving that fastball downhill. I like the arm angle. I still think it looks to me like he has two different breaking balls. They're not not necessarily a slider and a, a curveball, but it almost looks like he's manipulating the shape of his breaking ball because at times it had a lot more vertical movement to it. And then at other times it was a little bit tighter and it had not, not more slider movement, but they, they were very clear of the same pitch just because they weren't, they weren't different enough to discern them as a curveball and slider. It just looks like he was taking something off of the curveball at times and other times just making it more vertical. Did you see that? I didn't see enough of the start to notice that, to be honest with you, but I had heard or actually read something similar that he deviated the, I can't remember if it's a chert, a churve. <laughs> I can't remember if it was a curve or a slider. Um, but uh, I had read somewhere that he was, uh, he was deviating the two of them. And, you know, that just tells me that's a 20 year old kid who has that intellect or what I would say pitchability on the mound um, to know to throw the batter off with that pitch instead of just trying um, to locate or just blow it by him. He's trying to manipulate his pitches. So that tells me a lot about him. Um, and to me, that's an encouraging sign for somebody who's so young um, to be willing to to do that. Yeah, and he's got a similar build to Jacob deGrom, I feel like. There's some similarities there. I'm not saying he's going to be Jacob deGrom because – I don't think anybody's Jacob DeGrom, not even Shane Bieber, but um, there are some similarities there, especially in how they're built. Uh, Espino had six strikeouts and three and two-thirds, uh, three earned runs. He got in some trouble early, but again, like you notice with Tanner Burns, he had the, the smaller arm angle. His, his arm didn't extend as far on the swing, and he was much quicker to the plate, and that's supposed to increase the command. Uh, his command was... It was kind of fringy, I would say. I didn't think he had his best command, but I've I only seen – this is like only the second or third start I've ever seen of him because I've only saw a couple for Mahoning Valley in, in 2019. But he looked electric. I mean, the fastball was pumping by guys. The slider, he got a couple called strikes for strike through at the slider. I mean, other than some hiccups early, he was also, as advertised, just a young kid getting his, getting his footing. But also exciting to see that – there's already some mechanical changes for him to take into the game as well. Yeah, and I wonder how much of uh, the mechanical changes play a role in um, the control issues and also just the energy of getting his first start at that level, you know. Um, I'm not concerned at all. He showed what we kind of already knew was there, which was that power, that power fastball. He's what I would call a power pitcher, you know, that a guy that pumps mid-upper 90s and has that curve and slider too that can blow by people um i'm very excited to have him in the system i can't wait to see him the same goes for lenny torres jr as well obviously it's been a couple years for him he got tommy john in 2018 that wiped out a lot of his 2019 or all of it i should say and then obviously 2020 he was out because of covid um he didn't get to the alternate site Two innings, three runs, four walks, two strikeouts. I did not see any of his start. Obviously, it was Mother's Day, so uh, kind of hard to, for everybody to tap down and, and get video out there. But um, I think for, for Lenny Torres, really, it's just the guy was on the mound, and he's going to finally start getting innings. That's the most important thing for him. I think the results will come, but it, you know, a guy without a lot of pro experience who is at, at low A for the first time, I think it's just important that he's throwing less – to do with 
what the results look like early on. Yeah, let's take a year and wait and see what he does. His command was all over the place. I don't know where his velocity was. Um, he was up with his fastball and out uh, with his breaking ball. So he was just off yesterday. Uh, if I had to put a grade on it, I'd put him in the 30 to 40 range <laughs> as far as <laughs> command goes. Um, he was just kind of all over the place. Walked the first two batters that I saw, and I only saw an inning of his work, and I missed the first inning that he pitched, but he only pitched two. Um, so I didn't miss a whole lot of work by him, but I'm not concerned with that whatsoever. Um, let's talk about this next year, and if the struggles go into next year, then then we should be concerned. But now uh, let's see him maintain consistent velocity into starts, let him build up his pitches, and uh, just let him get in the work and see how he does. I'm encouraged that he's on the mound. That's what we need to see right now. Absolutely. To be honest, none of these pitchers needed to do as good as they did because Lynchburg's offense has just been <laughs> rid ridiculous. They scored 72 runs in the six-game series, and 31 of those came the first two nights. They scored 16 runs and 19 runs. I mean, they just bludgeoned Fredericksburg. And, and it took me it took me two days to figure out that it's the Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg Nationals and not the Potomac Nationals. That was... I guess that's going to happen sometimes until we all get used to this new, some of these new changes. I think it'll take a few years. Uh, <laughs> their their offense uh, just didn't know when to quit. I think um, felt like a softball that pitching game. staff. <laughs> it, it felt like a softball game seeing them come up to the plate and just smacking them out of the park and smacking it around the park too. Uh, a lot of home runs and a, a very good performance by one of Joe's favorite guys. Yeah, Jan Kenzie Noel, I think, made the most noise of anybody in the system this week. Three home runs, 11 RBI, four doubles. Um, he's got more extra base hits already than strikeouts and walks. He's got two strikeouts and one walk, which in 25 at-bats is encouraging for a guy who's a big power hitter. Um, but he's got seven extra base hits in the first five games down there. And I'm sure... I'm sure he'll cool off. Teams will get a report on him. But, man, that guy, I mean, the, the three home runs he hit, he just absolutely annihilated those balls. It's not like they just they barely got out. I mean, he destroyed those baseballs. It was unbelievable what he did this week. I I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I know, I know Joe talked him up, and he's one of Joe's favorite guys, like you said, but didn't expect that in the first uh, five games of the season from him. Joe, I'm going to record this, or this is being recorded so you can hear this, but you were right. Yeah, Noel can hit. <laughs> now, can if, hit. if he continues this at a higher level, we'll see. Um, I, I don't know, and I haven't watched enough of Lynchburg to say, but he's definitely off to an impressive start. Seven hits out of his 11 extra base hits. I mean, he's obviously knocking the ball around the park. Um, he is on another level right now. And it's, it's encouraging to see. It gives us hope for the future, too, you know, that maybe uh, Cleveland can develop a middle-of-the-order bat. And uh, overall, just exciting to see all of these teams and all these players back out on the field again. And to be honest, I mean, Noel, Noel is a right-handed hitting, right-handed throwing first baseman. I know, he's, I know he played third one night, and Joe says he's not a bad third baseman, but I would guess he ends up at first. And you know as well as I do, when you're a right-handed hitting, right-handed throwing first baseman, you've got to hit the daylights out of the baseball to make that profile work at the major league level. So, you know, that's that's the start he's off to. He's hitting the ball like he needs to to, to make that profile work as a prospect. So that's that's really good to see. And how about you? One of your favorites, uh, Willie. I know you're a big – I still don't know if it's Anhal Martinez or Angel Martinez, but uh, – He's got two doubles, a triple, and he also has five walks compared to four strikeouts and two steals, and he's moved around the diamond already so far. Yeah, he's just an advanced kid that, you know, again, another player I'll say this about, he has came as advertised. That's all you can say about him. He's played second and short. Uh, he split the two games between the two of those. That's what's a thing you're going to see a lot of this year. I clocked him under I think it was 418 home to first uh and he fell he got home to first 418 from the left side uh and he wow. fell 
So Angel Martinez is fast. <laughs> He's very fast. Uh, let's see. Another guy I like from that level too, and this is another guy who was a, a high draft pick, and he needed some years to kind of stew in the minors. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez has a couple homers, two walks, five strikeouts. He's got three extra base hits total. He stopped switch hitting. He, he was drafted as a switch hitter. I'm sure you remember that. Now he's just a right-handed hitter, uh, but he's off to maybe the best start in that league behind his own teammate. And I, that's another guy in the outfield that, like you said, you know, hopefully from Cleveland can start developing some of these middle-of-the-order bats. I, bats. I really liked Jonathan Rodriguez's profile in the draft. I just thought it was going to take some real development time for him to realize any of those tools that he had. Yeah, and he's a kid from Puerto Rico and, and uh, was very young for the class. You know, the tools were there. They were obvious, but he hadn't really shown it on the diamond yet. And I wonder if switch hitting kind of delayed him further. And now that he's no longer, um, he's been impressive so far this season. I just hope he can maintain this because he may be a, a real prospect for the tribe um, if he does. He could be. Uh Angel Martinez, I'm sorry, not Angel Martinez. Uh, Lex Replanez had a home run the first game. He hasn't really done much since then, um, but obviously that was exciting to see. And who else? Oh, Corey Holland. Corey Holland on Saturday night stole four bases in one game. That's that's. I don't think I've ever seen that at any level. I don't. I mean, maybe at like city leagues, like like uh, in, you know, playing in your in your city on a a majors or a ponies roster. I've never seen. Anybody steal four bases in a game? That's that's some Ricky Henderson stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he slipped the uh, opposing catcher his meal money that night, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he sure took it off for him, man. I, I feel bad for that catcher. That guy was running every time he got on base. He stole two in the first, one in the third, and one in the eighth. I mean, he was that, – that, that's what Corey Holland has to do. He has to get on base. He has to steal bases. He's got some projectability, but – Man, I, I four bases in a game is hard. Four bases in a week is good. Four bases in a game is hard to do. Yeah, some guys don't get four in a year. So, I mean, obviously he was <laughs> yeah. going out there. Um, I'll throw out Micah Preeze, too. He's the brother of Zach Preeze who played at UCLA. Um, I can't remember the school, but he was a 13th or 14th round draft pick a few years ago. Um, had a hamstring injury, if I remember correctly. But he was someone that a, a lot of people thought, well, he's got an above-average hit tool and some other tools uh, above average speed for his size. And if I remember, he's a pretty big kid. He's over six foot four um, and was a center fielder. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw him playing first base yesterday. So maybe a, a little bit of a transition for him. And that could be just getting him Let a little see. additional versatility. Um, yeah, yeah, he was a first base. You're right. It was, uh, it was good to see him out on the field. He missed his in initial uh, rookie season and then obviously last year he didn't get to show who he is but I think he's already 23 so you want to see him um, force his way up a few levels because uh, Cleveland can definitely use some outfield help and if he's a real prospect I'd like to see him uh, really make a push yeah division two Point Loma Nazarene is where Micah Priest came from. I, I read a little bit up on him after he, after he hit that home run, and I asked you about him, and it sounds like he was a real big performer at Division Two. Nobody was just really sure um, how good he was against that, you know, Division Two competition, I suppose. Let's see. And, yeah, so Lynchburg's undefeated. Akron's undefeated. Uh, outside of... I think the only bad news from Akron so far is Joey Cantillo's on the IL, and he's got a core muscle injury. I hope it doesn't keep him out too long, but those are those are tricky injuries. Friday, Friday, last Friday was supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be Burns, Wolf, and Cantillo all pitching, and I was like, man, that's a great <laughs> that's a great Friday night. And then Cantillo got scratched; and he's on the IL, so hopefully he's back soon. But you know, those, those are injuries you don't want to mess with, and it's better off they let him sit on the IL and, and let it fully heal instead of pushing him back. And that's what they'll do because he's obviously a highly regarded kid who came in the Mike Clevenger trade. They're not going to rush him back anytime soon. Yeah, no need. Um, another 
player, you know, as I said earlier, uh, another injury that to the arms that we were really excited about seeing. I know you and I were really pumped up about Carlos Vargas this season and then also Ethan Hankins with all of the work that he's put in. And then now for Joey Contillo to go down. Um, disappointing to see these talented arms go down, but man, I am impressed with the quality of depth in the system. And there are three guys down lower in the levels that we've already mentioned, Tanner Burns, Logan Allen, and Daniel Espino, that will not surprise me if these guys make it to um, Akron at some point, you know, so we could be seeing them later in the season with a rubber ducks uniform on. We could, I love to have a conversation about that some other time because I feel like upward mobility is going to be tough because there's just so much pitching at the, every level. It's hard to move guys up without moving guys out of the system in a trade. But what you just mentioned too, we talked about, um, Josh Wolf, Tanner Burns, Logan Allen, the other Logan Allen, um, Xavier Curry, you know, and, and some other guys we talked about that were really good. And you just mentioned Cantillo's hurt and Hankins is hurt and Vargas is hurt. Like there are some organizations where, okay, Ethan Hankins is probably out for the year and Carlos Vargas is out for the year and Joey Cantillo's hurt. That might be the best pitching prospects in a lot of organizations. And you're like, man, that really saps them of their exciting pitching talent in the system. And we mentioned, I don't know, six, seven guys before we even talked about those injuries. That's, that's how deep the system is. In other organizations, that might put a damper on the entire season for some pitching prospects, not in Cleveland. Yeah, we have an abundance of riches. And I go with the uh, train of thought, when you think you have enough starting pitching, get more. Absolutely. Uh, who did you like from Akron? Let's since we're going up up the charts, let's let's talk about Akron a little bit. For me, let's see. Oscar Gonzalez had two home runs. That looks good, but Oscar Gonzalez in 2019 went 118 plate appearances to start the year without a walk. He's already got a walk in the first week this season, so I'm going to go ahead and say that's a win for a guy who needs to improve his approach to become a major league hitter. Yeah, it was clear um, to me, anyways, that uh, he's trying. <laughs> trying to yeah, he's trying. <laughs> um, he and Will Benson were, were two that stuck out to me. As I said, I've been pretty preoccupied these last few weeks and, and probably will for the next couple of weeks. Um, but uh, Will Benson impressed as well. Um, you know, he mentioned the other day his. Uh, his time in the Constellation League last year. So he, he said that that was beneficial for him. And, you know, I just think we've all known that he's raw and we all knew it was going to take time. Can he put it all together? I'm not sure. He may just be a platoon bat in the future, you know, but uh, the tools are exciting and I'll give him time and, and see where he's at. He's still very young. Um, I think the, obviously, you know, I love Tyler Freeman, uh, I think the most excited player for me in Akron was uh, Nick Miklochak, who uh, came in and pitched, what was it, 1.2 innings and, and recorded several strikeouts and was pumping 95. And I'm just thinking, man, we're going to have a lot of arms in the system, a lot of relievers in, in the system that are mid and upper 90s, uh, besides what's already on the rotation or in the rotation. Because these arms are going to have to go somewhere. And as you and I have said before, Carlos Vargas' best path to the to the majors may be in the bullpen with that combination of fastball slider that he has. Yeah, and fringy command for sure. I mean, yeah, if he comes back that now that they've burned an option year on him, unfortunately he might be best set for the bullpen. But yeah, Nick Mikulajic came out of the bullpen. He was throwing 95, had a nasty slider, sporting that fun, long Mike Clevenger-type hair. <laughs> two and two-thirds innings, five strikeouts. Um, people were pretty gassed up about him on Twitter after I posted those uh, those highlights. That was fun. That, that's been the most fun thing for me is I'll, I'll able to grab some clips on on from the game on my computer when I'm watching and then see people retweeting them and, and everyone's, like, fired up about it. That's that's what has been the most fun is that people are excited about the system, at least the people that, that follow us. And I am glad they do because it, it only makes it more fun for what we do, to be honest. It's 
it's fun for you and I just to talk about, but it's more fun when it's fun for us to talk about and others can enjoy it when we're producing the content. So absolutely, that was exciting. I, how, how about the fact that Nick Mikulaj, and I guess I'm not surprised, but he pitched at short season ball in 2019. He was not part of the alternate training site last year. He was in Columbus early on in April when they had the alt site there, but he essentially just skipped from short season to double A, which is maybe that's where he would have been this year had there been a season in 2020 for him to pitch in. But that's a massive jump, even for a reliever that has good stuff. You know, he's somebody I mentioned to you before as uh, an arm that could move quickly to the majors. I mean, he had above average command and control coming out of the out of uh, Sam Houston State. So um, that he is able to move through the minors so quickly isn't really a big surprise for me. He was used as a swingman in college and you know, seeing him go to the pen on a consistent basis and continue to work on his stuff because he's obviously changed his mechanics a little bit and he's picked up some velocity. And according to fan graphs, I think they said that he was up to 97 in instructs. So there may be more to come with him. And, you know, as I alluded to a moment ago, he may be another um, power pitching arm for the Travis rotation, maybe as soon as this year. Yeah, I was just going to say, if, if I don't think they're going to have the need for him. Maybe they will just because they want to add to the bullpen. But if they really needed him, I feel like Mikulacek could pitch out of the bullpen for them this year. I just don't know if there's going to be room for him, which is unbelievable. <laughs> That's a good feeling, <laughs> Justin. It, it really is. <laughs> like, yeah, you're good enough to pitch in the majors, but really we have so many good pitchers already, we just can't afford to open the spot up. No, uh, Oddly enough. <laughs> no sense to rush service time, and I don't mean service time manipulation, but no sense to rush the service time when you already have a uh, log jam in the future coming, you know, so let him develop where he is at. There is more on tap potential there, I feel. Um, I, as I said to you before, I think he's a middle reliever potential setup man at some point. Um, let him develop, let him ripen on the vine, and then pluck him and bring him up when he's ready and when the, the roster situation shakes itself out. Yeah, to think about a bullpen next year in Cleveland that has Class A, Karen Check, Sandlin, Kyle Nelson, um, gosh, who else is in Columbus, but add Nick Mikulacek to that mix, and it's just Robert that Robert Broom. And, and, may and see, if Trevor uh, Steffen finds a way to stick. Yeah, in, in uh, Giancarlo's... Mieya and, uh, you know, Sam Hinches has got a lot of hype and he's left-handed. He's got that and can throw mid nineties. So, you know, maybe that helps him as a middle reliever or something. I, I don't think he's, uh, a setup man or a closer or anything, but I think he can log some useful innings as a left-handed reliever. Yeah. I'm, we could talk about that as he gets, I mean, he's still a prospect, so we can talk about him. I mean, I don't want to do it today because yeah, my thoughts on him are I'm kind of down on him right now and I'm trying to keep the hype going uh, <laughs> over how fun this first week was and keep the mood light, but let's move on to Columbus before we kind of wrap things up. Uh, not the most exciting team in the system, which I guess makes sense, but Logan Allen, the older, not so good. He pitched. Uh, it was good. At least Eli Morgan and, and Scott Moss both pitched. They weren't great. Mm-hmm. But at least they're healthy. They were hurt in spring training, so at least they were back to the for the start of the year, so they can serve as depth. I thought Jim Carlos Mejia was okay his first night. Uh, he had four strikeouts and four walks. Um, the fact that he was kind of their backup arm for Sam Henches, uh, he was on the taxi squad for a couple weeks for Cleveland. I guess that means they feel like he can do it. Obviously, the most exciting player this week in Columbus was Owen Miller, who I think is hitting. He's got to be close to 500. Yeah, he's hitting 450. Four. Unbelievable. And and I was talking to some friends that work for the Clippers, and they said that the guy doesn't hit the ball hard, but somehow he finds a way to get hits. Like, he's not he, – he's if he comes up at some point, I imagine we'll see him in Cleveland at some point this year. He's not going to go up there and, and be an exit velocity darling, but the guy just finds a way to put the ball where hitters aren't – or where defenders aren't standing, and that – 
that still counts for a lot. Kind of an old school approach, if you will, to getting hits and putting the ball where they're not, you know, see ball, hit ball, and put them where, where the defenders are not. Pretty simple, and that's exactly what he's doing. I, have, I really have a hard time figuring out just who Owen Miller is. Like, if you had to compare his skill set to somebody in the majors, I, I just don't know if they're – I mean, I kind of feel like he's a Cesar Hernandez type where he's going to hit for a decent average, he's going to walk, and he can play second, he can play some other positions. But offensively, I feel like he's kind of like Cesar Hernandez. Maybe he'll have a little bit more power than Cesar's had, but – that's the guy I come closest to. I don't know who else there is out there that I can can match him up with. It, like you said, it's an old school approach. Nick Nick Madrigal, maybe. I'm not. Yeah, I can't think of anybody offhand. You know, I, I know old comps on him were Mark Loretta, and I think maybe uh, I don't know if it was Mark De, DeRosa or not. Um, but Mark Loretta is the one that stood out. Yeah, I have seen Mark Loretta a couple times thrown out there, and, that, and Mark Loretta had a very nice career, um, and that would be good a good outcome for Owen Miller. He could serve a very nice role on this team as a guy who plays pretty much everywhere. He Let's see, he started at multiple positions this weekend. I know he played some first base, which got everybody excited because <laughs> for um, obvious reasons. a better option. Yeah, for obvious reasons, better option than Yu Chang, better option than – uh, Jake Bowers, already he's played first, second, and third in the first week. So no surprise there. He's played short in the past. I don't think they'll put him in the outfield, but, you know, he can play all five infield positions. So that's always good to have, especially when you hit the ball the way he does. And how about how about this? Ernie Clement uh, got his first game in the outfield, kind of the same profile as, as Owen Miller, but I think Clement is just a good runner. I think Miller is probably – an average runner at best, and I think yeah. I think Clement comes somewhere in what, like the sixty range as a runner. Yeah, he's above average to plus. He just doesn't make the most of his speed whenever he's trying to steal bases, but uh, definitely he will put yeah. in uh, plus run times. Yeah, so he's playing some outfield. That's that was intriguing to me, and actually he recorded an outfield assist in his first game. How about that? So he plays left field for the first time in his pro career, and right away contributes an outfield assist. I. I'm still curious to see what his future is, especially with Owen Miller on the roster. I feel like it's going to be hard for uh, for Ernie Clement to crack the roster in Cleveland, but I still think he's got a big league future with how, at least as you know, he can pinch run, and now he's playing the outfield. He can play all infield positions, and he he gives you a professional bat. He doesn't strike out. Yeah, he takes walks. He has speed. He is. I mean, he's not a great defender at any position, but he's sound, sound enough Passable. to play the position one day a week if it's second or short or left field or center field he has the speed to handle it and he has the experience at several positions now um in even back to his college days i believe we played some center field a little bit of left and um second and short so there is some value there and you know it may not be here in cleveland it may be somewhere else but i think there's a major league future in store for him I kind of wonder if Ernie Clement winds up going the route. You know, Cleveland traded uh, Mark Mathias two years ago to Milwaukee for Andres Melendez. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if he the same fate awaits him. That I think I think Owen Miller's presence most likely over overtakes his ability to make it to the majors in Cleveland. So I kind of wonder. He and, and Clement's on the forty man roster, so that's a spot where if they can trade him. And get him off the forty because obviously we know they've got a ton of forty-man roster decisions awaiting them this fall. Uh, I wonder if he's a the guy they can ship out for younger talent and open up a forty-man spot. But I think there's no doubt he can play in the majors off the bench somewhere. It just it won't be here, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with you. And I've joked that they've got thirty-six shortstops already on the forty-man roster. You know, so there's no need um, for him and. Nothing against him personally, per se. It's just sheer number and quality of the talent that's already in the system. Um, he's just caught in a numbers game, and his future is probably somewhere else. And hopefully, um, when he is likely dealt in the future, um, he finds a home and establishes himself as a as a most days player. I don't think he's an everyday player, but I think he's a most days player at a variety of positions. 
Yeah, I would agree. Uh, let's see who else. Nolan Jones played third base most of the week. He played right field one game. He is not off to a good start. Eleven strikeouts and twenty at bats. That's kind of concerning. It's early. We'll see. The only the only reason I'm I'm concerned it's the t- you know a twenty obviously at bat sample size is not big, but considering that he has been he was at the alternate site last year and. He was uh, at the alternate site this year, and he was in big league spring training. I kind of felt like he would get off to a better start, and maybe 20 at-bats just ends up being a mirage. But uh, not. I did not expect for him to run a 50% strikeout rate um, the first week of the season, but maybe we'll see what happens. But Yeah, and I don't know the quality for, of the opponent he was set. facing or if it was left-handedness that he was having an issue with or not. I was um, – I was too hyped up and flipping back and forth, <laughs> watching Lake County and Akron and Columbus and Lynchburg, and then tuning into the tribe as well to just focus in on one particular level. Um, I probably would have benefited from going back and watching games instead of trying to do what I did. But, uh, you know, I'm not too concerned with him right now. I do wonder if he's putting a bit of pressure on himself to get up to the majors because he knows he's just a, just a call up away. He's right there on the cusp of it, and I expect he'll return to himself soon. Yeah, I would agree, and I, I agree with you too. I think I was trying to do too much the first week, trying to watch everywhere and everything. I think going forward, I might watch Cleveland, and I might watch one affiliate a night if I'm not at a captain's game, just so I can at least consistently watch something. Uh, let's see what else. Not a great start for Bobby Bradley, nine strikeouts and 19 at-bats. He's also off to a slow start. So, And this is the other thing, other thing, too, I think people need to realize is that going back to, oh, I don't know, the Matt Laporta days, Cleveland has always been more apt to call up prospects when they're playing well in the minors. It's kind of a psychological thing, and they've actually had um, psych- psychology people on staff study this and it's it's more beneficial to promote players from the minors in the middle of a hot streak if they're playing really well in triple a they're more likely to get promoted than they are if they're not playing well unless it's you know out of need so the longer jones or bradley or somebody else is slumping the more like less likely it is they're going to get called up they're going to wait for these guys to get hot to call them up so uh keep an eye on those stat lines you know when you see nolan jones hit five home runs in a week or is hitting 300 for the week uh, or, or Bobby Bradley said, so, you know, that's when you can kind of start looking at things. They like to promote these guys when they're feeling good about themselves. And that's not a, not a surprise. Gabriel Arias hit a home run in his first at bat as a, as a Cleveland member of the Indians organization um, in Columbus. He hasn't done much since he did have a nice play at shortstop. Um, really not, nothing much to mention pitching wise. Is there anybody pitching wise at Columbus you want to talk about? Cause I didn't really see anybody, unfortunately. You know, no one really stood out to me in particular, other than seeing Logan Allen's struggles continue, um, which is a little concerning because he's the first arm up, um, in my opinion, in case there's an injury or just continued ineffectiveness from the starter. Uh, You want to see him performing and performing at a high level. The talent level's there, and besides that, I picked him as my breakout pitcher this year, so call me selfish, but I, I really want to see him doing well. <laughs> when I said breakout, yeah, I know. When I said breakout, I didn't mean breaking out of the system altogether. So, <laughs> Well, there might only be room for one Logan Allen in this system, and right now it is not the elder, <laughs> the way things are going, unfortunately, man. Oh, you know what? I want to scale. I want to, I want to jump back real quick. I don't want to spend too much time in this because I want to. We did the injuries a little bit, and I want to talk about our player of the week. But I wanted to go back down to Akron because we talked about how good Nick Mikulajic was. But Dakota Clemmer, not a guy I have really paid a lot of attention to the last few years, but he threw three and a third innings, so he had two two multi inning relief stints this week. He had eight strikeouts and a walk and a hit batter and a hit. Um, what do you remember about Dakota Clemmer? Because I know he he was a JUCO arm, 20, um, maybe 2018, yeah. 2019. Can't remember, like 18th round or something like that from out in Arizona, that area out west. Um, sits low 90s with a fastball, I think 90, 92, and was pumping 95 on occasion. 
I think he has a curveball and a, a very fringy changeup, if I remember him right. But it's obviously it's been a little while since I've seen him or studied up on him. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed his strikeout total myself as I was rolling down through the the stats. I was like, "Well, he's had a good week." <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to let that go without saying it because I, I did notice that we were talking about Nick Mikolajek that. Um, uh, Dakota Clamer might have had the best week of other relievers. Jaime Arias down in Lynchburg, 5.2 innings. He had nine strikeouts. He leads the uh, farm system in strikeouts right now. So that was impressive. He's a 22-year-old undrafted free agent last year um, from Fresno State. He, right. he was a closer and moved to a starting role his junior season. Low 90s, four-pitch mix, has a slider curveball and, and changeup. Um but he's a guy that has above average to potentially plus control. Uh, let's see if there's more to unlock there. Interesting start of the season for him. Yeah, he was he was a good start there, and he was someone we were curious to see, given that the Indians were obviously interested in him as a undrafted free agent. Another guy too, Andrew Mis Mis. I can't pronounce his last I, name. Misiasic. <laughs> <laughs> Third, oh, that's why you let me pick, right. I think from Harvard or somewhere. Um, he oh, was wow. a low, he had an immaculate inning. Yeah, yeah, uh, impressive <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> is is there better than immaculate? Yeah, was, <laughs> I got yeah. I don't know. We kept talking about and this is I when I tweeted that poll about who had the best um, who had the best per, uh, pro debut and. Um, Uni Melendez, who's a scout for the Indians, tweeted back at me and he said, how about Andrew Misiazek? He had uh, nine pitches, three strikeouts in his first inning pitched uh, this year for an immaculate inning. Yeah, hard to have a better start to your season as a reliever than, or any pitcher as an immaculate inning. Uh, Northeastern College is where Andrew okay. – that's uh, is Northeastern where Aaron Savali went? It sure is. Yeah, how about that? Aaron Savali was drafted a couple of years before him, but who knows? He might have been somewhere on that roster as a freshman or something. But, yeah, 32nd round pick. You've got a fantastic memory. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so good starts. Let's see. No surprise that uh, we've seen a lot of versatility. Brian Rocchio has played second, third, and short in the first week. Uh, we saw, we said Owen Miller has played all across the infield so far. Jose Fermin has played third, second, and short. We talked about Ari Clement playing left field. Oh, how about this? Richie Palacios. That's another guy that we didn't talk about who this is an anticipated year for him because he had the shoulder surgery that sapped his 2019, and obviously he didn't get to play last year. Uh, he's off to a good start in Akron. I have to pull up his stats, but um, – he also played in left field in addition to playing across the infield. So how about Richie Palacios, man? He's getting in the ball game wherever possible, hitting 357 to start the year, five hits and 14 at-bats, and four walks, three strikeouts. Another advanced infielder. Um, <laughs> where do they play them all? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, that's why he was in left field yeah. <laughs> one night. We don't have any room on the dirt, man. you got to go to the outfield. <laughs> You know, just just grab a glove, run on the field, wherever you end up, that's where you're playing tonight. <laughs> Whoever gets there first, you get to play shortstop. Yeah. So it's a race between Tyler Freeman and, and Palacios and Jose for me. Whichever one of you gets the shortstop first gets to play there. Then you pick – let them pick their own positions every night. How about that? I mean, they can all play them all. Why not? <laughs> one of the things that Cleveland has built into the organization is the positional flexibility. With a lot of the players, you're seeing Brian Rocchio playing second and short and third. And who knows, maybe they'll have him pitching by the end of the year because Angel Lopez did that earlier <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah, funny that the only the only um, only club that struggled pitching-wise or struggled uh, out the gate was Columbus. And, of course, they had a position player pitching uh, the first week. And I think he's hurt now. I think they had to put him on the IL. So that's a uh, a tough road to go. Well, he it wasn't then, throwing fastballs. I can tell you that much. Well, maybe he should have been throwing it all. Maybe he should have been uh, sticking behind the plate. I don't know. Aaron Bracho played first base. Uh, probably just a way to get his bat in the lineup. He's kind of short for a first baseman, but you know, I worry about him at second base anyway. So the more they can find a different 
spot for him other than second base. Uh, that's good for his bat and better for his defense. Yeah, watching the broadcast, I thought, when did Jose Altuve get demoted? <laughs> he is not. I mean, he's listed at six foot, I think, even, isn't he? Uh, and I've seen that in he's, five, yeah, 10, he's so. five eleven. He's, yeah, I don't know if he's five. He's listed officially five eleven. I don't know if he's actually five eleven. I think he might be like he was on his tippy toes, five nine or five ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as the, as long as he hits, nobody cares, and yep, he might be able to hit. Let's let's wrap this up with our players of the week this week, and let's do our predictions for next week. So. I'll let you go first because I have a feeling this is going to be all chalk. Who is your pitcher of the week, Willie? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what I said to you the other day and say it was Logan Allen. I I could easily say there was a tie with Tanner Burns. They were both equally impressive to me. Um, but since Logan Allen got more K's and was perfect through four, I will give it to Logan Allen. Um, as far as position players go, I'm gonna go with uh, Young Kenzie Noel, who was. Exciting and impressive, and I love the excitement on that massive home run last night. So just an impressive week all around from the minor league system and him in particular. Yeah, I'm going I'm to join you in the Yankenzie Noel train. We'll, uh, we'll hop aboard with Joe to enjoy that one. It's hard to pick anybody else for player of the week other than him because he just hit the crap out of the ball and he hit it a long way. Uh, I'm going to go with Tanner Burns, just so we're not all shock. I'll say Tanner Burns only because, A, he had just as good a start as Logan Allen, I feel like, but also because he got me retweeted by Pitching Ninja. So I'll, <laughs> I'll ride his coattails just a little bit longer. <laughs> all that matters, right? Okay. Yeah, I'll just I'll ride the coattails as long as I can on that one. All right, Willie, let's go with next week. This is one a thing that we've had in the past in Farm Report uh, is predicting the, the player of the week for next week. So. Give me your pitcher of the week for next week and your player of the week for next week, and let's I'm, see who. I'm going to pick does Tanner better. Burns uh, for this week as somebody who okay. has a, a very good start. And then my position player is I'm going to stick with a guy that's hot uh, and say Young Kenzie Noel. All right, we'll be very varied in this one. Uh, so Willie's going to stick with Noel. I'm going to go with Hunter Gaddis. I'm going to say that he bounces back um, from a bad week and has a good start Tuesday night because I'm going to be there. Um, and then I'll say Tyler Freeman. I think it's about time Tyler Freeman has like a three-hit night. He had a three-strikeout game uh, this week. I think that was the first night. I think he had a three-strikeout game opening night. And I don't think he struck out three times in the game at all his first couple of years in the minor. So that was kind of a surprise. So I'll, I'll say he's ready to get settled in and bounce back and I'll take Freeman and I'll take Hunter Gaddis. Yeah. I, I almost took Freeman for the very same reason. Um, I think his bat's going to warm up and we'll see some production. I just think Noel will make more noise and continue to make some noise throughout the season. He'll cool off eventually. He's going to have an ordinance uh, call on him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll ride those coattails for another week. Might as well. I mean, at this point, I don't. I mean, he might just get on base like five times for a walk. There might be a, the early scouting report might be just don't throw to this guy. That might be the, the first scouting report other teams get. Don't don't throw him anything. Uh, let's see, we mentioned Joey Cantillo's on the IL. Uh, Stephen Kwan came out of a game in Akron. He's on the IL with a hamstring issue. Hope he gets better soon. Um, I like him as a a fourth outfield type who can play all over. He made a nice catch uh, in a game I was watching earlier this week too uh, in center field. And he can, he can do a little bit of everything except for hit for power. And Quentin Holmes is hurt again. He missed all of, almost all of 2018. He played a lot. He played 112 games in 2019. So he was mostly healthy in 2019 and obviously was not a part of alt site camp in 2020. Uh, what was Quentin Holmes's injury? Do you, do you remember seeing that on Twitter? Because I don't recall. I, I don't remember. Looks like a groin strain. That's not good. I mean, no injury is good, but a groin strain, especially for a guy who relies on his speed, that's especially bad. Yep. He, Quentin Holmes is on borrowed time. He was the Indians, what, second round pick in 2017 because they didn't have a first rounder because of the Encarnacion signing. I, 
if the guy doesn't get back on the field soon and start hitting, I got a feeling that whenever the whenever they sign some outfielders from this draft coming up, I got a feeling that Holmes is going to be looking for a new baseball home. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I agree. The clock is ticking, and there's a new draft class coming soon, um, which kind of leads into our next <laughs> uh, point yeah. of conversation. Let's add on a better note than Quentin Holmes' injury. So we've got a ton of content. If you've been reading IBI at all over the last couple of weeks, uh, the content is just pumping out left and right. It's head spinning at this point for me, honestly. Um, <laughs> we've had game reports. So we've got game reports this week. Columbus starts on Tuesday from Columbus. They've been on the road. So we'll have um, Stacey Hannon and Jacob Benji from there. Uh, Caleb Phillips has been at like three of the first five Akron games. So his stuff's up on the site on the Akron report. Also wanted to point out his, uh, I made the rubber ducks report from Saturday free for everybody to read because it talks about Shane McCarthy's uh, donating $3 per strikeout to pediatric cancer research. I thought that was something that everybody should see and not be behind the paywall. So that his rubber ducks report from Saturday is up there. We have around the farm every single morning except for Tuesdays because there is no minor league baseball on Mondays. That gives us all a chance to catch our breath. Uh, I am thankful for that schedule quirk that there's no minor league baseball on Monday because, quite frankly, I need the day to, to do this and reset myself for the week ahead. Um, so we have that. We'll have, I'll have the captain's report for tomorrow. Uh, we'll have, we had the first Columbus Clippers notebook up today. That's up right now. Um, what else? Well, the Rubber Ducks notebook tomorrow. And then, Willie, you've got a ton of draft content coming up. What kind of draft content can readers expect for the coming weeks ahead of the draft? So as you know, um, Jared and I uh, collaborated on a mock draft, which will be coming up soon. I'm not sure when, what day that will actually post. But there's going to be the board and those pieces are going to start rolling out again. Um, I believe tomorrow will be the first one. I've got one that's going to be submitted tonight. And I also updated the board on the um, pages on the website. If you go to that, check that out. That's up over 150 of the uh, top prospects, I think, for this next coming draft. Um, and that will continue to be expanded up over, probably over 200, because I usually don't know when to stop. Um but I will continue to produce some of those pieces. And, and, you know, there'll be monthly mock until the draft. And uh, you and I are working kind of in the background on some draft content as the draft gets closer as well. But there'll be a lot of content similar to last year um, where these where the board pieces are rolling out. And I'll be throwing a little um, little promo, if you will, of some of the players that I think um, – Cleveland will have their eyes on as well. Yeah, we're getting close. I mean, I know it's, it's not until July this year, but, you know, college ball is heating up in the middle of things. High school is really heating up. We'll get to playoffs here soon. I know Ohio's high school playoffs start soon for baseball. That's exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to the draft. I mo- Most of what the draft I know is through you and Willie and, or you and Jared and, um, all the other reading I do, I was able to be a little more informed in the draft last year, thanks to you two and not having minor league baseball, but this year minor league baseball is back. So I, I'm not sure how much I'll, uh, I'll know beyond what you two tell me. So uh, if you want to get in on the draft this year and what Cleveland does, follow these two guys. You got will who 99 on Twitter and, and uh, you can follow Jared as well. Jared very rarely tweets, but uh, he is coach Zyber 32 and he is, part of our draft coverage. We're glad to have him. And I hope we'll get uh, Jeff Ellis um, involved a little bit too, because he's been a part of it in the past. And there's another guy we really like for draft content. Anything else you want to add before we sign off today? Just looking forward to another exciting week of minor league baseball. I can't wait to, to see things really heating up and see some of our favorite prospects back out on the field again. Yeah, I'll be, like I said, I'll be at the captain's game on 
Tuesday, the 11th, which is tomorrow as we're recording this on Monday. Uh, I mean, my first minor league baseball game since September 2019. I cannot wait. And sorry in advance for all the tweets because I'm not going to stop. Who am I kidding? I'm just going to keep tweeting. So You're limited uh, to 200 per day, guess, Justin. Come on. <laughs> Only 100. I can, I can make that work. If I have a limit of 100 per day, I can make that work. So maybe I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry for all that. <laughs> uh, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this. Hopefully you enjoy following us on Twitter, uh, even though I do tweet too much. Willie, really, thanks for joining me, and we will do this again soon. Thanks, everybody.